You are listening to the Evolution Exchange NHS podcast. We shine a light on the topics that matter to digital and data leaders in the NHS. I'm Alex Inace, and I help connect digital leaders in the NHS with interim talent, and I'm your host. The views expressed by guests are their own and do not necessarily reflect the official position or policy of their organization. Welcome everyone to today's podcast. Uh, we're going to be focusing around how we can improve the patient journey through digital transformation. So I think it's best if we just jump straight into the introductions. I'll I'll start with you, Talochan. You're first on my screen. So if you want to just tell us a bit more about yourself and your position within the NHS, that'd be great. Yeah, sure. Talochan Bopri, Associate Director of Digital Delivery at South East London CCG. So part of my portfolio is digital delivery across primary care. Um, and all those um, added bonuses that come with it in supporting primary care deliver a, a really um, efficient service uh, and technology that wraps around it. So, yeah, that's me. Amazing. Perfect. Uh, Sanai, do you want to give us a quick introduction and, and a, brief of, a brief about your role within the NHS? Uh, yeah, so Sana Jimenez, uh, uh, head of ICT programs at KCH Kids College Hospital. I had a previous life outside of technology, uh, frontline, and I changed and I'm here. So, yeah, anything that we need to implement, and are we there yet? Amazing, perfect. Annie, you last one left. Um, so, if you want to give us a quick brief, brief about yourself and your role within the NHS, that'd be great. Great, thank you. I'm Annie Murphy, I'm a GP and uh, primary care lead for digital services in southwest london ccg i know it's a mouthful um, i'm also digital lead for east merton primary care network which is a group of local gp practices working collaboratively together to try and deliver joint services to our population so yeah my my bucket really is innovation and digital transformation and trying to find new more efficient ways of working um you know together and also involving end users into our digital journey. Amazing, perfect. So I think it's best if we start with Sinai's question. Uh, Sinai, would you like to address the question to, to the other panelists? Yes, let me get it. So I think I was thinking of the tension between doing something very innovative that reaches a few people. And, you know, sometimes when we're in digital and there's a lot of, let's do something new, but uh, I think there's a there's a risk that it it uh, as I say it, it reaches just to not not a lot of people. So I think the question I wanted to ask: What do you um, um, what is the thing uh, in the, in the, the digital space that we should do more of? So most what is the thing that we should extend more so more people benefit from it as opposed to what is the the most innovative new thing that will benefit a few. It makes sense. Yeah. Um, I don't know if Annie, do you wanna do you wanna share some yeah, do you wanna do you wanna share some insights on this? Yeah, I think coming at it from a frontline perspective, um, it's really important to get the basics right. I think, and a, a lot of the basics revolve around the communication between the clinician, the non-clinical staff, and the um, the citizen. And I think that's that's what we really need to crack and, and get right because the sometimes we can come up with very interesting, innovative ideas, but it doesn't actually work, and it's not useful, and it's not efficient, and people don't use it. And that's the key. If you introduce a technology. Um, within the first few 
tries, people have already formed an opinion of it. And so if they it's not the you know, finalised efficient product, they're less likely to come back to it at a later date when it has developed further. So it's really important to catch people and then and, and get them to to like it in the first instance. So for instance, things like um, video consultations, for instance, um, certainly that's taken on um, in certain aspects so in hospitals you know video consultation has been great uh, and people really appreciate it because nobody really wants to spend ages waiting in the hospital car park um, and for their appointment but it's not so important in primary care where actually people just it's easier for people to go and see their GP and they prefer it that way so the the, the comms and the the way you access it, it um, the communication between staff and patients is really important to get right, I think. Amazing. Talachan, would you like to add something to that? Yeah, so I think um, I really like that question tonight. So I think it's a really positive question around how do we evolve our space um, through this COVID journey we've been through and they're still kind of clambering through in, in a clumsy way through this country. I feel that there's something really interesting about how do we evolve our provision for technology slash from a patient perspective, from a staff perspective in secondary care, because the way we deliver services is radically changed. Um, whether that's a consequence of COVID, whether that's a consequence um, as a byproduct that we can see additional benefits through the use of technology. So when we're looking at consulting rooms, do we need to build consulting rooms purely focused about, you know, looking like pods so clinicians can sit there uh, undertake, you know, remote consultations versus having a big old consulting room with a bed and the rest of it in there. So how do we accommodate new technology in a infrastructure that was never geared to support that? So for me, that's a really interesting concept because like we're sitting at home uh, or virt working virtually, it's the acoustics, it's thinking about um, where that person sits, what's behind them. So all those key things that kind of pacify a patient journey in terms of being more meaningful, but being more productive. So yeah, that for me is a bit of a takeaway. How do we, um, change our infrastructure and our um, estates to accommodate new technology. Tonight, does mm. that answer your question? Uh, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, they're, they're both uh, very interesting answers from, and, and you know, let's remember, I think you guys are more on the primary care, which escapes me a bit, um, having practiced so much there. So it's interesting. And I think that Annie also that reflection around maybe different people expect you need to provide something different digitally depending on whether it's primary care or secondary care, the experience of care, the expectation is uh, maybe different. Um, and on the states, on the states concept, yeah, I think is, um, I think that's a trickier one, actually, because, uh, you know, hospitals are, you know, there's history in buildings, so we try to make the most of what they are. And, uh, you know, we, we, you know, hospitals are always like there was a small building and then they grew and then they put it and then they put something on top and then they put something in the middle. So even trying to control states is <laughs> it's so difficult, isn't it? Um, but yeah, I think it's going to, it's always going to be a mix of, I, I think, I think online is great. But there's always a mix, isn't it? We, 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 for, and I think that's you can't really stretch and stretch and grow the space all the time because, you know, you, it, you, it's not so easy. You need a lot of manpower to, to, 
take out equipment, bring in equipment. <laughs> so I don't. I I think that yeah, modifying the space uh, is a complex thing, and technology mod changing constantly the technology to modify the space is it takes a lot of effort. Like even when they do all these word moves and as you know the wars repurpose for these things and you know and for for COVID when they repurpose and you know they need to open COVID wars then some technology things change so it's very um yeah that's a that's a tr more tricky one to 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 manage i think with the the, the state balancing there. Annie, would you like to ask something yeah i was just reflecting and thinking you know with all of our work around changing things that the most challenge really is around taking people along with us um, and you know that digital inclusion is a huge topic at the moment and we do need to ensure that we ask um, well what people want from digital in the first place because every population every um, healthcare setting will have their own specific needs and specifications and unless we actually know what it is we could have this wonderful skyrise pod like you know um hospital <laughs> and nobody's actually using it so it, it's really i think it's really important to take the users along with us and and co-design um, and co-produce amazing I think if we go now to Tal, John, with your question as well, I think it'll time very well. We're talking about these states before. Um, so if you want to address the question to to to, uh, to Sinai and to Annie. Yeah, sure. So my thinking is what is the infrastructure that underpins improving patient journey through digital transformation? So what do we need? How do we do things differently? Or are we OK and we just need the extra kit? Sinai, do you want to start? Um, what is the right infrastructure? one that works um, I don't really mind if it's uh, maybe I should mind but I don't uh, if it's in the cloud or is uh, there's benefits here and there but I think the thing is that that, that works and is safe um, and I think they're the, the, the question there's so many angles to it because you know you can infrastructure if you talk to somebody in a server team they see it differently as when you talk to a project manager and maybe we'll look at it from uh, does the application work or doesn't work or the from a telecoms perspective that's the it's, you know the, it has so many angles as well i think i think is what is the right infrastructure i don't think there's um whatever it is the, the problem is that there's so much variety and keeping it secure keeping it up to date and keeping it combined one with one another makes it difficult. So I was thinking um, also about this comment you've just made, Annie, around the, um, you know, the, the, when we define things, you know, we have this constant tension, I think, in at least in acute care between specialist systems and generic big systems where everyone can see lots of things, big EBRs, and we go constantly between, and sometimes innovation is like, okay, we have something specific and it's great for this particular group of people, but, but it's not accessible to everyone. And then we need these things for everyone. We need everyone to place orders, everyone to generate communications. And, uh, and I think to me, that's the, 
I don't mind what the infrastructure is because there's different there's different in the historical infrastructures. Uh, it's not the same as an if you talk to a telecoms team versus talking to a, um, I don't know, a pharmacy team. That what they understand is there's, there's so much variability, and I think what we need is is it safe? Is it up to date? Otherwise, we will likely to incur problems, and then. Uh, yeah, that's it. Work, and then there's this always this tension around: could we see what's in the other system easier? That's really difficult. All that integration of data. Um, so whatever infrastructure can sort it sort it all out, that one, whatever the name, whatever the software, or the operating system, I will go with that one that can sort it. Annie, what are your thoughts on this subject? I certainly think that infrastructure is the basic building block of any service. If we can't get the infrastructure right, then we haven't got a hope of, of innovating and transforming properly. And so I, I'm just thinking in terms of what actually does infrastructure mean? To me, it means secure. So cybersecurity is really important. Um, quality. So the data and the transfer and anything has to be, uh, you know, has to be of appropriate quality, high quality with appropriate governance surrounding it all. Um, and uh, the other thing was uh, availability of systems and data. And as uh, you know, said, um, uh, integration across systems so that you can have cross organization communication. Um, and ease of access to appropriate data and information about um, uh, the person who's going through the care system. So to me, those are the important points. Talchen, does that answer your question? I think it's an amazing amalgamation of all our thoughts in sense of, you know, thinking about as a patient walks through the door, what's the check-in process? How do they check in for an appointment? Um, when the clinician's using a machine, what software do they use? How quick is it to order a blood test? Um, actually, if a patient needs a diagnostic test of another type, um, how quickly do they do it and where does the patient go? So how do we look at the patient at the centre of it and all the wraparound support, which is multifaceted? So for me, there's something around patients going to get bled. Do we have an online phlebotomy service that you can book an appointment anywhere in that region? And when they're bled, it's really simple. Phlebotomist bleeds them. Blood get blood bottle gets put on a tray, it gets labelled automatically, and off it goes into the robot at some point in that afternoon or morning. So I think I'm really interested in seeing systematic change across the NHS, where we invest in technology that enables us to speed up processes, but also make it more efficient. Amazing, perfect. So Annie, if we go now to your question, um, would you like to address the question to the panelists? Yeah, we were talking about um, the patient's journey be and being bled, so that leads in quite nicely to my question, which is how can digital enable clinicians to bring joined up care to patients in their communities? Tonight, do you want to start first? Mm, yeah, don't know if I have an answer. I think um, I think it's a bit by design, really. Uh, so examples of that, I think, it, well, if you're talking in the community, uh, one thing that has been evolving in the last few years, there was uh, there is more more of is these systems that 
where they where we can see data that is hosted in the various care providers. So the the Lycra programs of the world, right? The local care records or the local care records or London care records. So I think we in South East London there's the LCR and we're moving towards uh, the London care record. And I think that I am working closely with it, uh, but I think the message that, that we receive uh, is that it is one of the systems where the data on all providers, mental health, GPs, acute care, community, everyone is trying to share at least a part of it. So it's a, it is a place, isn't it, to, to be where a patient is seen more holistically because you know, it's always holistic depending on how you're looking at it. So when you're in acute care, maybe you want to see the patient holistically within your <laughs> within your organization. But that is, a, I guess, holistically, I'm com yeah, there's always, the, the, the thing is, it's always a boundary. No, but no, you always have to put a boundary. And I think is so far, the boundary was on organizations. And I think, is, I think we're moving to more having the technologies to pull data from organizations into something more regional um does it has its limitations yeah you you can't order on a london you can order a test on a london care record but this you know there's always going to be a boundary so it's also about accepting boundaries um in systems the same way i guess that we have skin and we stop there um the systems will have to stop somewhere and then we need to, you know, jump onto the other side to continue. Uh, I think I've lost track a bit of the, the question. How can we enable them to join? I think clinicians, well, it depends what is their scope. So if for maybe I think this these regional care records have been positive and are doing something different. Um, but it's how we how we manage this these boundaries, isn't it? Is they're gonna be rigid geographically or limitations on functionality, limitations on analysis capacity. Yeah. Amazing. Tao Chan, what are your thoughts? I think we've got to start back at the basics. So I think how do we enable clinicians, but also um, subclinicians? So if we're looking at social prescribers, if we're looking at administration staff within practices, so the bulk of the clinical activity in the NHS is, is burdened on primary care in, in a significant way. At the moment, we know that pressures are significant with booster vaccines and, and the previous other two doses. So how do we navigate primary care better? How do we allow, allow clinicians to make best use of their time? So we know there's products out there. We know there's different concepts out there. We know there's things that could be done differently. So for me, there's something fundamentally about how do we um, navigate clinical care and redirect patients, but also support them to do things smarter. So, you know, if Annie's getting a, a patient coming up, how do we enable them to be rooted in the right way, in the most appropriate way? And I think there's a bit of a gap in the market. There. I think there really is an opportunity for something interesting to be um, made available where patients can feel dealt with uh, and their um, concerns heard. Because by the time they end up at secondary care, they're already unwell or they're already uh, poorly or they're in a position that they need intervention of some kind clinically by a specialist. But a lot of the low hanging fruit can be better effectively uh, managed if we get to it quicker. And I think some of that unmet need could be done through some kind of navigation process at the primary care space. So for me, it's only how do we navigate primary care better? 
does that answer your question, Ali? Sure, that's given me more questions, hasn't it? <laughs> the how million dollar question there. <laughs> that you're doing that, how can we work better? How can we navigate this care better? Well, I certainly think we can embrace digital, um, but we do need to have some champions uh, to help us embrace digital because there are some pockets of really good work um, which should really be showcased and, and, and talked about um, because it really does help people. So, for instance, um, within my PCN, I ha uh, I've been working with some of my uh, community colleagues to put on a health fair for our local population. It's attended by 1,600 people. Uh, it was a collaboration between the library, the faith groups, so it's the church, and the voluntary sector. So we had social prescribers there, we had health and well-being there, but with my little digital laptop, I also had a pop-up um, health stand, a little kiosk. So people came, had fun, did their fun day thing, but they could also pop in and do a health check. And if we needed to send them to have health and well-being advice, um, it was quite easy to you know, work with our community colleagues to do so. Um, and uh, most of that was enabled by digital because we had the technology to be able to transfer results back to the local GP systems. And, and I don't think we could have done that even a few years ago when the systems weren't in existence. So those are things that we can do, but I think the issue is having the time, the space, the capacity, especially with the COVID response and other things, we're very stretched at the moment. Um, and, and so, you know, these mini pilots and projects have had to be paused just to continue with business as usual, try to, to, to mount a response to the pressures currently. So I think it's possible but I think we need time, energy, um, and more people who are willing to champion digital. Anyone else wants to add anything or? No, okay. So Marcus couldn't join us, but I think the question, I think it's still worth asking the question that he that he, that he prepared for the, for the panel. So Marcus' question was, how can we get the non-digital workforce into a digital mindset in a timely manner? Um, Sanai, do you want to do you want to share your thoughts on this subject? Um, there was um, an unfortunate answer in a way. I think when COVID arrived. Uh, it really, you know, I remember people that are uh, talking with frontline clinicians that maybe they haven't felt the need to interact more with digital, then they wanted it, they needed it and, and they asked for it. And, and I think everyone, because it was a simplification of priorities, the priority was COVID, um, then it, there was maybe a bit more time to do that single thing. Other than that, I I I think is is difficult. Uh, yeah, I think you know I, I think the NHS is ultimately uh, uh, you know it's free at the point of care for for everyone, and I think we has a duty to to provide uh, services for for quite a number of people, um, uh, and therefore you know whether we should the same way that maybe the, this offers or courses or on basic uh, training and education skills, we could offer digital skills. Um, 
the challenge is then a bit of matter of time and, and effort and, and money probably and 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 time in front you know I guess maybe it's good to have the opportunity so that people can take it when they have the the, the time uh timely the, the question has this concept well, how can we make sure that people is digitally trained in a timely manner <laughs> it's really difficult isn't it I think you know it all comes uh, is about the pipeline of of uh, the workforce that is coming and you know there's a lot more you know digital is so much everywhere isn't it we buying a train ticket you can do it online we're doing a lot more so but 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 I think there is also uh, an understanding I think we as organizations as staff we need to take time to uh check that you know not because you can buy a train ticket online it means that you understand technology and where we're developing so my role is about developing how do we go from an idea to making it happen we need to even in the same group we need to work with a lot of people that will have different understandings of how technology works so one thing is to have a digitally uh workforce that is digital able that's one thing that's to be able to use a system but maybe there's another set of knowledge around um, increasing people's understanding of how technology works uh, is a is a different set of uh, rate or, or, or area arena of of knowledge that is different you know how do we pull the data why can we not pull the data um, <laughs> All of that is different, and I think there's an area that we we will face more, or you know, as IT or people in IT and digital, um, even people that will come with an IT or a digital idea may not know why it's so complicated to move it from the idea to the delivery. Which we do, why do you have so many steps? Uh, why do we need to do that? And who are they? And what does it do? And, that is another area of learning digital that I think we should uh, we're dealing with. I see. Ani, would you like to share your thoughts on this subject? Yeah, I agree. It's um, people have to want to use it, and in order to want to use it, they need to see the needs and what the benefits are. So we have to be quite clear on benefits realization. But the, I guess the other thing to think about would be actually to train up the students and the trainees to have digital as part of their BAU, uh, you know, that, that they don't question it by the time they've completed training. They are going to code everything. They, they are going to use every system available so that, you know, that the new workforce are already ready and, and able to, to make use of the technology. Um, but for the current existing workforce, there, there needs to be a real reason why people need to use um, digital. And COVID is one because obviously we're all now on Teams and you know um, remote consultations, online meetings. So you can see that one, if there is an urgency and a need there, then people will use it. So um, it is possible. Amazing, Annie. Talchan, what are your thoughts? I think is a really good example is banking. So over the last sort of five years, online banking has grown in, in, in growth massively. Um, so I think if you look at 
how many banks we used to have on the high street. We'd have probably one of each type of bank or each sort of brand of bank on the high street. And now we've got probably very few. You know, you can go do a lot of your banking at the post office. So people have adapted already in their own personal lives. So whether it's whether it's online billing through you know apps and wearables, whether it's adapting to an NHS pass to now go into a, a, a venue where you can sort of sit down and eat. So I think there's got to be an acceptance that society has moved on very fast in the last 18 months. And in the workplace, people actually do find it quite a struggle. So the one thing that we can do is provide digital literacy training. So I think that's something we don't do enough of because, you know, we've got Office 365 now and that's, you know, even I look, look at some new features and then now there's features in Teams where before you could never see whose hand went up first. Now it has it in ranking order, one, two, three, four. So I think there's something about how do we make learning about digital bite size and how can there be 15, 20 minute blocks? And I think I'm really pleased that in Annie's um, online tutorials in uh, YouTube about how to you know do things really smart. So I think some more, more adoption of those kind of things where actually how do we help people that are busy, that have got families, got other commitments, learn new bits of technology, but adopt and embrace technology through really quick, easy learning sections. So I think I you know uh, categorically agree with colleague you know Sanai and Annie's concepts and, and thoughts, but I think how do we enable that smarter and easier? And I think it's those 10, 15 minute snippets that people can kind of in between things whilst they're doing things and that's an acceptable amount of time people can absorb something new conceptually so I think we need to be smart about our learning methods okay what is a smart learning method so I think for me that's something about um proportionate to what you're going to be uh, sharing them with them as imparted learning, but secondarily um, agile. So whether you're on the way home from work and you're going to watch a YouTube video on some new technology or how to do something at work, whether it's on the job training. Um, so I think there's lots of opportunities to do things um, that meet people's needs. You might want to go spend a whole day learning a new clinical system, but you also might want to spend 15, 20 minutes here and there learning about new bits and pieces that are coming up. So for me, there's um, no hard and fast rule, but it's about how do we create a hybrid model that fits people's needs? Yeah, I mean, I think there's there's options, really. I, I think the other the element I'm thinking is NHS frontline clinical staff is bombarded. And then is and then there's some elements around, you know, how, you, you know, there's also this element of adult learning in which you absorb better if you're told what you're going to do and then you need to do it rather than I'm going to tell you, then we're going to we're going to let three months pass because we're still uh, tweaking the technology and then we're going to release it and that doesn't work for adults in general, isn't it? So there's how do we do it? But yeah, how how do we do it? Right? How are we doing it? And how could we do it differently? Because we have uh, online e-learning platforms. I think pretty much every organization has an e-learning platform. Uh, we are able to do, you know, you have software that can mimic a, a, a system, any system, and they can, you can get a user to work on that system, like if you on that e-learning platform, like if it was a system, it's not a system, and you can preempt, you can, targeted to to you know they need to get the right answer so they can mimic and they can practice using the system we there's more and more organizations placing videos or using videos or using audio so then people can can uh, even take listen to an audio instead of spending three hours on 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 a classroom base but we still need to allow classroom based learning isn't it um i, I mean i i think that there are options out there 
Um, I think the the one thing that maybe kind of gets to get in the way is this protection of confidentiality and GDPR, isn't it? When we want to give new members of staff access to things like, you know, new doctors coming into an acute organization, you want to give them all of this information before, but if you haven't given them, if you haven't made them part of your organization and given them an account and given them access to you, to the network, uh, how, you know, you can put all that information of an organization out in the, in a in, in a very public place, <laughs> you need to have some element of protection and confidentiality. So, so I think we struggle as organizations or, on doing that because we have this challenge between I need you to confirm you've entered my organization legally before I can give you stuff versus, oh, I wish I know you're going to make it. I wish I could give it to you. There's, there's that. I, yeah, I don't know. I think there's options, but there's... Uh, there's other aspirations and expectations that, that get on the way. Like, you know, nurses get there's lots of different systems they need to learn and use. And there's also how do we respect our own, as organizations, their, their information or respect people's, even people's confidentiality. I think those get on the way of, um, yeah, I don't know, there's a different angle, I guess, of uh, different. Anyone else wants to add anything? Yeah, I think really the fundamental problem I find is that users don't understand why they have to do a certain task. So let's take coding. When I was a registrar working in the hospital, you know, the Department of Coding was this nebulous cloud somewhere where I had to write some codes, but I didn't understand why I needed to write these codes and what the importance of them were. Why can't I just write free text and, you know, send the patient on their way in A&E? Why do I have to tick all these boxes and send to this coding department? And now I actually understand it's so important <laughs> to get the information right, because if you don't, the patient's information is lost. And then things have to be duplicated. And I don't think that was really well understood, certainly when I was a junior trainee or my colleagues in training and, you know, uh, the, my nursing colleagues in hospitals on the ground, they, they couldn't understand why we have to enter things onto a computer. You know, why can't you just carry on status quo? So I think the key is for people to actually understand the need for this. To, for them to actually make any change or try and learn. And I think a lot of the learning needs to be done on the job. So you have a problem, you, you need to find a way to solve it. Oh, look, there's a video somewhere that will tell you how to solve it. Um, and, uh, and I guess that sort of iterative cycle of learning, that experiential learning, is, is going to stay with you longer, I suppose, than, than any online e-learning platform, I guess. But there's time and place for everything, isn't there? Thank you. Chan, do you have anything else to add? I think final parting thoughts are that I think we've got um, options, we've got solutions, but now it's about how to mobilise the agile approach towards um, a neurodiverse learning environment. And I think there's something really important about um, 
people understanding what coding is about, but people also understanding what systems talk to each other and what don't. So I think Sir Nigel is a really valid point. Sometimes there's so many different options to do things for clinicians in different ways. Sometimes streamlining our approach to things actually is a lot more efficient. So I know in South East London, if a GP wants to look at a blood result, there's probably about three different ways they could do this. Um, but actually, it should be one approach that we um, capitalise on and focus on, which actually reduces the duplication for systems, processes, but also clinicians across the board know that there's one you know, single version of the truth, uh, whichever way you look at it. So I think there's something around harmonising our approach to things. And there's so many different things out there that we've got embedded. But I think we are making um, leaps and strides toward this. And I think if we look in South East London, we've got you know, rapid implementation of EPIC upcoming in the next 18 months. So I think the future is really bright with new systems. And actually, we are chipping away at that legacy approach. So I think learning is going to be really critical because these all all these systems come with new uh, new experiences and new approaches so we do need to think about how we adopt um this agile approach in, in a more uh, dynamic way so i think yeah future is very very interesting amazing i think that pretty much wraps it up so i want to thank everyone for your opinions your thoughts it's been an absolutely invaluable time for me you know, for the past hour, I've, I've learned quite a lot, a lot. Uh, obviously, you know, I'm not a technical guy as well, so it's it's really exciting to hear everything that you've got to share. Um, so I, I look forward to posting this on, on social media and uh, let our listeners have a, have a listen to it. Thank you again. For, thanks, everyone, again for, for spending this past 45 minutes with me. Thank you, Thank Alex. You Thank you, everyone. Thank Many you. thanks.
Well, this has been absolutely amazing. Um, I've, we've had a really lovely discussion um, and it's been really insightful for me. Uh, I want to thank everyone for their time, for their opinions, for their thoughts and their expertise. Uh, it's, can I just say in the last hour, I've learned so much from everyone. Uh, obviously, I'm not a technical guy, but I'm really passionate about, about data in the NHS, hence the reason why I've, I've brought everyone together here. Um, and again, I want to thank everyone for joining. It's been absolutely wonderful, and I just can't wait to share this with, 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 with the audience as well.